about the CW show Riverdale that is taped so in the darkness that it's not even on this week. I'm Alex. We two men have gathered in this great (laughs) darkness to record, and this time there's no third man who's angry to stop us from making this voice. I'm Justin. Yeah, Pete unfortunately couldn't make it. We are taping a special... Holidays version of Riverdale After Dark over the phone. Uh, Justin, where are you right now? I'm still in New York, but you're... Uh, Very cool. I'm in the Great White North of upstate New York uh, for the Thanksgiving holiday, which the the After Dark is darker up here. So it's a little more... There's like more more murders. uh, There's more (laughs) serpents. um, Obviously, there's more for-profit prisons up here. Totally. Actually. Yes. So, so you're basically, you did a, almost like a religious mission upstate to really delve into Griffins and Gargoyles and figure out what's going on this season. Uh, definitely. Yeah. I, there, like a lot of people just watch the episodes to try to learn who the killer is. I'm going to experience murder and tell you uh, who did it. Nice, 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 nice. I am eating a bunch of pixie sticks and pop rocks and I'm drinking Coke. Uh, by which I mean I'm having ecstasy and cocaine. Feeling great yeah. right now. <laughs> cool, yeah, see? This is weird. That's how deep into this we are. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, and you guys got pretty deep into it. Since there is no new episode of Riverdale, there's been a very weird schedule with the first half of this season. Uh, there's no new episode over Thanksgiving. There is going to be another episode next Wednesday. And then presumably they're going to go three straight through until they hit mid-season. Uh, but we figured uh, we could do a bunch of theories. We could talk about a bunch of stuff that's going on, predictions, comments, questions that you guys have. we got a ton of questions on Twitter. So I figured we'll read through those. We'll call those out. We'll see what we get to. Maybe we'll add some theories of our own about Griffiths yeah. and Gargoyles. Uh, the I should mention the specific impetus for this. You, Justin, you brought this up. We have our Patreon-only Slack that has been going insane lately over about, yeah. about River Out Theory. It's, like, crazy. Like, I mean, we all get a lot of, like, emails and, uh, like, tweets and uh, texts a day, but the our Slack channel is by <laughs> far the most active. And it's mostly just like, actually, I've been re-watching episode three for the fourth time, and this character <laughs> in the background of the mirror that is, it's, it's, we're getting into it. Yeah, I, I want to specifically call out two of our Patreon supporters, Aaron and John George, who literally, and this is not a joke at all, they have a murder board that they've set up in their living room. It's the most amazing thing I've seen. They've been rewatching the season, putting up clues, putting it together. Uh, so it's pretty intense. If you want to get in on that, uh, that's for Patreon supporters only, patreon.com slash comic book club. We do it at the two buck a month at over level. But there was a point the other day where I was like, Oh my God, we've been talking for hours and I think we've figured out who the Gargoyle King is, but I'm not even yeah. sure what's real anymore. 
It's amazing. Exactly. Like, uh, we have a lot of answers in there that may or may not be true. And I also like the point they made, like, oh, we have to hide that for Thanksgiving so our relatives don't think we're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to, yeah, I kind of want to start a murder board tomorrow on Thanksgiving morning just so I have to hide it at this point. <laughs> yeah, oh, good. Uh, <laughs> Alex, where's the turkey? Uh, here's this murder board. About- <laughs> Why is your tweens. turkey? Why is your turkey full of red and blue thread that are crisscrossing with pushpins on them? And it says <laughs> Kevin Keller for some reason. That's yeah. weird. Uh, it's weird. I took a bite of the dark meat, and my my mouth is blue, and I'm frothing. <laughs> All right, let's get into your guys' tweets because, like we said, there are a ton of them. Uh, kick it off with a two part tweet from Wendy on Twitter. Uh, Archie, Veronica are going to break up. Reggie is going to swoop in and then Archie will have to lean on, on Betty a bit because you know, he's still a bit of a flirt. Betty Jughead breaks up at the end of the season. Oh, this is a lot already. Uh, Gargoyle King is the morgue doctor's dad. And then uh, she says, okay, serious questions. Do you think Hiram is behind the Gargoyle King business? He was there at the first murder and he's still alive in the second murders. Also, do you think there's any significance with the game being in its second edition as per its box packaging? Uh, I actually want to start with the second tweet first. I have a couple of ideas about them, and then I'm curious to see what you yeah. think, Justin. Uh, the Hiram thing, we talked about this a little bit in the Slack, and I, I believe this pretty strongly that Hiram is not the Gargoyle King. I think, first of all, just the idea of Hiram Lodge wandering around in a stick-and-bone costume is ridiculous. It's just it's not beneath happen. him. He made his bones. He doesn't need to attach them to his arms with duct tape. Right. Uh, the other thing, though, is a lot of people point to the fact that he seemed to be controlling the warden. But I don't think if you go back and watch that scenes, I don't think that's what's going on. You see him and the warden exchange glances before there's a riot at the prison. But Hira, they're just exchanging glances. It's not Hiram saying, do it, you know, or whispering anything like that. I think there's a slight possibility that Hiram is being controlled by the Gargoyle King as well. Interesting. See, I think, uh, and I think I've maybe said this uh, on another episode, I think Hiram is aware of the Gargoyle King, and he is moving to, um, I think we're going to, Hiram's going to move from this sort of ultimate evil octopus uh, position. We spotted this octopus pin that's been on his lapel uh, throughout this season, and his organization is going to be combating the Gargoyle King. So, I think he's going to move from being this sort of ultimate source of evil to maybe a a force uh, for, I don't want to say good, but a, a force moving against this darker evil of the Gargoyle King. Mm. I can definitely see that. I mean, I can see it either way. But again, like, I just don't think I, I don't think he is going to be the Gargoyle King because him just being the source of all evil in Riverdale is a little too easy. It's a little too pat. And I think it's exactly. really more complicated than that. Definitely. This show is smart in that it gives us the obvious choice, the less obvious choice. And then in some cases in previous seasons, it's this third or fourth obvious choice, which then spins back on the first or second obvious choice. And I just feel like with Hiram, he is too central to the show to go down this way. Um, and I think they're moving into more of a Game of Thrones style uh, mm-hmm. a show where there are factions. And it's not all cut and dry who's good, who's bad. Because we know that Archie is the Archie's the only character who is like strong, good all the time. He's like, there's no artifice there. Every other character has like dual personalities that they're sort of uh toggling back between. Like Betty, Dark Betty, uh, Veronica's like 
rich girl from the uh, from the city that's coming home to be a good girl in Riverdale. Um, so I think like everyone else is capable of fully switching between good and evil besides Archie. Mm. Uh, moving on to the second thing, uh, this is something that I've heard fans talking about quite a bit. Is the fact that it's Griffins and Gargoyles second edition. I this may be dismissing it too much. I see that as just being a detail. Like during uh, during the Satanic Panic, which is a lot of the inspiration of what's going on this season. I believe I could be wrong. That was Dungeons and Dragons first edition. That was the original editions of Dungeons and Dragons that they believed was satanic and causing people to do ritual murders. And of course it wasn't. Uh, and second edition was introduced after that, I think in 1989. But I think that's just supposed to be a detail there, a call out, a shout out to Dungeons and Dragons because the more famous edition of D and D is second edition. But again, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, that makes sense to me as a reference, um, even down to like, you know, they're talking to the art director and like, hey, we need a, uh, what does the cover of this, uh, this book look like? And mocking it up based on Dungeons and Dragons makes a lot of sense. But I also argue it seems like the Gargoyle King is taking advantage of something that he or she maybe didn't create. So maybe mm-hmm. the second edition is, is something that the, this, whoever this person is, um, twisted it a bit to to mold it to their purposes. So I mean, there may be some changes to it, but I don't think it's a clue to who uh, is behind it. Yeah, I think so too. Something uh, I don't remember whether we talked about in a previous episode, but an interesting little detail. Now, I, I've been kind of into the theory that Hi- Hermione Lodge might be the Gargoyle King. I'm not totally sold on it. But uh, one thing that I think is an important clue is that she is the one who breaks into Mrs. Crabapple's desk. I guess Crabapple is what they call her on the show, even though it's clearly a weird Simpsons reference that they're it doing. Is a weird reference, but Riverdale, not shy about referencing characters from other things. May I mention Ben, Ben Bud? Yeah. Well, this is very exciting for me because I've always wanted the Brad Pittiverse and the Simpsonsiverse to cross over, and finally it's happening in Riverdale. Oh, the Brad Pittiverse. What a place to live. <laughs> Meet Joe Black. Uh, Could I live inside that movie? Yeah. Uh, uh, what do you know? I, my favorite thing is the end credits of Meet Joe Black when uh, Tyler Durden walks out and asks uh, Joe Black, what do you know about the Thelma and Louise initiative? That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. That is some down the rabbit hole level <laughs> pop culture understanding right there. And I love it. Yeah. So the thing I was going to say about Hermione Lodge is that uh, young Hermione is the one who breaks into the desk and discovers Griffin's gargoyles in there. We know it was somebody else's. It was confiscated from somebody else, or at least she's saying. But it's a weird thing for Hermione, who otherwise seems to be a little bit of a goody-goody to breaking into that desk. So the theory there is that she knew Griffin's gargoyles was in there. She wanted to play it. And so she set up the scenario where she was going to take it out. There's a lot of logical leaps there, but... And that doesn't necessarily tie into the second edition thing, but in terms of her being the one that is using it, I think that's more, it did pre-exist, but maybe she created it, maybe not, who knows. Uh, I'm all in on the Hermione Lodge as the Gargoyle King theory. Um, I think uh, that what you're saying is she's the one that, that brings it to them, that opens it up and makes it sort of, quote unquote, go viral uh, in, in Riverdale. Uh, her sort of repressed uh, Catholic thing in that flashback episode 
felt put on. And I, I feel like it was a purposeful choice um, for the character and not just uh, acting. That It was like, I'm repressed. And it was like, are you? You seem like you're doing this on purpose. And she's also someone who, throughout all of these seasons, has played as if she's at the mercy of these outside forces all the time. But it seems to me that that's something they could really be wanting to upset and make her sort of the mastermind. I also think it's time that we had a a female uh, sort of supervillain in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Hermione is is perfect. The, the scene between that we talked about on a recent episode, between her, uh, Hiram, and Veronica, where they're like, she's like, why are you obsessed with this Archie? Uh, that, to me, was a telling scene where she we get to see a little crack in the mask. Yeah, I... Yeah, I, to be honest, I would be bummed if she turns out to be the armor, uh, ultimate evil here, but I totally agree with you. We're running out of dads on Riverdale, so they got to yeah. move on to a mob or somebody else. Uh, but let's move on to the first part of the tweet, uh, because there's a bunch of stuff in there. Archie and Veronica are going to break up. Reggie is going to swoop in. Archie will have to lead on Betty a bit because, you know, he's a bit of flirt. Betty Jughead breaks up at the end of the season. Gargoyle King is the Borg doctor's dad, meaning Dr. Kirtle, not Dr. Kirtle Jr., yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's Dr. Kirtle. Could be wrong. I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of evidence for that. There's not a lot of evidence. They're just weird. And it's weird. Uh, the show is pointing at a legacy, um, sort of criminal here, uh, multi-generational and they are a very clear sort of multi-generational <laughs> mortician family. So sure. Uh, but as far as all the relationship stuff in this tweet, I'm a hundred percent on board with it. Reggie, Veronica, Man, Monica is happening, um, and <laughs> I think uh, we got uh, Barchi on the on the backside. So uh, there were a lot of questions about that, and I'm sure we're going to repeat this a little bit. But they certainly seem to be intimating that in the next episode, Man Hunter, that Archie and Veronica are going to be on the rocks. And given the ludicrously stupid choices that Archie has been making this season. I absolutely could see him say, no, we have to break up for our own good, Veronica. And Veronica would be like, what are you talking about? You're crazy. They'd be like, no, I'll bring you down. I'm going to go live in the farm or whatever I'm going to go do and break up with Veronica. And then Veronica, not happy about it, but eventually would fall into the arms of Reggie or Elio or somebody like that. Um, the yes. Barchi thing, I, I actually feel like is a little farther away, to be honest. Like, I don't, mm. I, you and I are in agreement that it seemed like at a point, this was part of the DNA of the show is back in the pilot. They've come back to it now and again, but, uh, I don't know anymore. I, I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, the theory I threw out there, uh, which we may be a little too far off from was, that Betty and Archie have to eventually go to the farm, Betty to investigate it, Archie to hide from his, since he's on the run from the law, technically. Um, that would make sense for a place for them to be sort of out of the Riverdale world and sort of find each other. Uh, mm-hmm. So that could be cool. And yeah, I think just Archie is in this dark, as the season gets darker and darker, Archie's going to be chasing the light and, mm-hmm non-dark Betty Betty is the light, I think, Mm -hmm. for him. And honestly, if they go to a farm, that's a great place for people to hook up. Like, pretty much number one place to hook up with people is, one, if you want to meet somebody, go to a farm. Number two, maybe the movies. Number three, a bookshop. Number four, like, uh, 
I don't know, probably a farm again. I'm thinking yeah, farm comes back around. It's number one <laughs> and number four. Um, yep. Yeah, they yeah. say take off a roll, a roll in the hay. I've never looked up what that actually means, but it sounds fun. Yeah, it sounds good, and not like you're getting hay stuck up your butt or anything like that. No, uh, and you know what? When, go ahead, go ahead. We don't have to no. go into that. <laughs> yeah, we don't need to go down that route. Uh, What's a little bit of butt hay? What's a little bit of butt? <laughs> Joella Alvarez says, "I think a good way to show for the show to connect all of the seasons." is to have the Gargoyle King puppet mastering Riverdale as a game, make Clifford kill Jason, Hal become the Black Hood, also leading to the other Black Hood storylines, and Hiram having this obsession with Archie. I I agree with that. I think at the very least, they may not go that route, but I feel like that was what was intimated by the last episode, right? Yeah, I agree totally. I feel like uh, they're definitely, I think that we're going to find that the Gargoyle King uh, will retroactively be involved with everything that's happened in this show so far. Now, let me ask you a question because I was kind of mulling this over a little bit, the specific idea that the Gargoyle King was involved in everything. Do you feel like that takes any of the power away from say, not, not the literal power, but the power of the moments away from Clifford killing his son from Hal being the black hood, that they were all part of the Gargoyle King's game. I don't think so because the episodes that reveal uh, Clifford Blossom and and Hal Cooper are so wild. The characters flip so hard that I I could sort of believe that they were being uh, influenced. You know, it's not like we slowly watch them fall apart. The nature of the show is that it's a reveal and suddenly they're evil. So that Mm -hmm. seems to be the way that the Gargoyle King uh, plays. I to your point though, and this is a little bit of a side trip, but this is something about Riverdale that makes it very hard to figure out theories for is they don't give you all of the information. Like there was no way of actually putting together the Black Hood uh murders and figuring out it was how, because at no point could you know, hey, he was indoctrinated from a young age to be a serial killer. That's not yeah. information that they gave us at any point. Uh, right. So same thing with the Gargoyle King, where it's like, they could honestly be anybody at this point. I also think, though, this season is a little different. It's This season feels like it's leading a trail of breadcrumbs. breadcrumbs. Like, why Why else would they do the uh, the flashback episode? Like, I think they're, yeah. they're, they are trying to tease it out a little bit more, like uh, Twin Peaks started to drop clues as they went before the final reveal of who killed Laura Palmer, uh, because it just gave us something to really latch onto and uh, push the debate. All right, let's move on to Sophia Johnson has a tweet. Uh, Another theory is that Chick might be the Gargoyle King, or at least the Gargoyle Knight. Let's talk put a little asterisk there and come back to that in a second. The writers have said he's coming back this season. Also, he escaped the Black Hood. He couldn't have done that without having extra power, at least with having somebody backing him up. Uh, well, as we all know, Chick is the hero of Riverdale, right? The main character, the protagonist. We're just yes. wading through the day players before we get to the Chick show. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. We're all in agreement on that. Uh, that said, I did want to mention about the Gargoyle Knight. Now, this is something that fans noticed on IMDb, and as a little caveat there, IMDb is user curated, so any information can be on there whatsoever. But they noticed that there was somebody who was cast named the Gargoyle Knight, and the Gargoyle Knight had shown up in several episodes. The episodes that the what we've been calling the Gargoyle King has showed up, uh, 
And the theory is that we haven't actually met the Gargoyle King yet. The, the, yeah. the stick and bone thing that we've met is the Gargoyle Knight, in fact. That's a presumably somebody who works for the Gargoyle King, is second to the Gargoyle King. So well, getting back to the question, though, what do He's you like think? He's like the Gargoyle intern. It's like the Gargoyle intern. Right, exactly. Like he gets college credit, but that's it. And like, of course, a gargoyle king's not going to like, oh, let me put on my sticks. Let me get on my stilts. Like, this is clearly someone who gets coffee, duct tapes bones and meat to their face and body, <laughs> and wanders around the woods scaring teenagers. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, at work, we just did interviews for new interns, and that was one of the questions I asked them is, are you comfortable taping your bones to your face? Yeah. And most Classic. of them were like, absolutely. 100 yeah. percent let's do this what's your greatest weakness um how are you with bone on your face <laughs> yeah you know it's funny uh last time i asked somebody how they were with bone on their face they called hr <laughs> oh that's weird yeah, you've been yeah. fired multi you just got fired just now actually from your yeah, job of, i mean live on a podcast that was crazy uh what do you think though is chick involved in the gargoyle king in any way uh i i hope he is going to be uh on the on the right side of this, and I feel like I feel like he's either the gargoyle knight, uh, and it's like a reveal, a twist. Um, and I do agree with the theory that the gargoyle knight is the person in the woods. I think Jughead at the end of the most recent episode, meeting the the stick and bones man in the woods, is him trying to talk to that person who I think he's already met with to get to the gargoyle king. I think that's maybe a reveal we find out. Uh, but I'm hoping Chick comes in with a piece of information to help them uh, go on the right path. Yeah, the thing them. about the thing about Chick is at no point was established that Hal Cooper could run really fast. So yeah. the whole idea of like, oh no, how can Chick get away from this middle aged man? Always to me felt like, well, he probably can. He's he's in pretty good shapes. He drinks a lot of yeah. milk on the, milk on the stairs and stuff, so he'll be fine. Um, I think he just got away. Like, I think that's going to be the yeah. explanation. We are going to see Hal come back. We are going to see Chick come back. My suspicion about that is that Betty is going to do an exploration of darkness in Riverdale and end up consulting Hal as sort of the head of Lecter to try and understand how the Gargoyle King thinks. Oh, that's uh, so smart. That's such, that, a great, that's such a great movie yeah. for them to reference, too, which they do so much yeah. on the show. That's and I think it's going to be the same thing as she goes down that road. Hal will be like, well, have you talked to Chick? And she'll be like, bum, bum, bam, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is from uh, Lauren. Lauren says, Varchi is going to break up and Veggie will rise. Yes. What do you think? No doubt about that. Veggie? I 100% agree. I mean, I say man Monica instead of Veggie. Um, <laughs> and I'm well aware those letters are incorrect. Uh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, I uh, mean, you know, to be fair, I, I prefer your hashtags, but veggie is very good. Yeah. You love veggie. Uh, I do like veggie uh, in any way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, uh, we just talked about this. I think that's, uh, the writings on the wall, that slow-mo shot of them getting out of the car to go visit Archie in his juvie fight club, which is some, a sentence I say a lot to my relatives at Thanksgiving was very cool. And I also think the way that they're establishing Reggie's character this season is he's even dumber Archie. So if Veronica is sad because Archie has done some heroic breakup type thing, it makes perfect sense that she would fall into Archie 2.0's arm. Particularly but also because... He's... 
he's oh, he's nice. casual he's casual dumb as opposed to chaotic dumb. Like <laughs> Reggie's just like, duh, where's this go? Well, Archie's like, duh, I'll take the fall for this crime. And I think that's a big difference. Relationship. <laughs> yes. Uh, frankly, I would trust Reggie more with almost anything than Archie because you'd be like, hey, Archie, can you take this mail from me? And be like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mail it, but I did start a dude gang on the way there and got in. And now I'm in space. Yeah. S- sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Let's move on. Uh, the Anik fan says, just a question if you're taking them. Yes, we are. Uh, what do you think will happen to Phallus? Do you think they will be together come the end of season three? Ooh, that's a good question, actually. Great. What do question. you think? Uh, I a, think you're, I, the res, you're a resident of the F Palace. Yeah, I think the uh, I've lived in the F Palace for years, and I'll tell you what, it's nice in here. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think F Palace is a rising relationship. Um, I think it's strong. Uh, the flashback episode. Um, there are a bunch of relationships. I feel like getting these characters back together with their true loves is a big thing. Uh, whether it's, uh, Tom Keller and, uh, the, the former mayor, uh, or I think it will play into a big thing. Uh, Hermione and, uh, as Pete calls him, Luke Perry, um, Fred <laughs> Andrews. Uh, I think there, that may be an inspiration. Uh, some of the stuff you've been researching of sh- the Shakespearean quote on the wall, it feels like, uh, star-crossed lovers. I think Hermione and, uh, Fred, maybe those star-crossed lovers that are is pushing that pushed her to become this mm. gargoyle king. Uh, I so I love Phallus together. I think they're wonderful. I love them acting like parents, like they've just they've lost their significant others and they've ended up in this duo, and they're immediately treating Bughead like they're the mom and dad. And those scenes are wonderful. Like I just I love watching them. They're a joy, but there's clearly a lot of complications being thrown their way, right? You have uh, Alice is involved in the farm. We haven't even gotten to the farm yet or gotten really involved in it. We haven't even met Edgar Effern ever at this point. And on the FP end of things, Gladys is showing up pretty soon in the season. And yes. that's going to really mess things up too. So Gina Gershon. Yeah. I, I firmly believe the way the show is set up that Phallus is Endgame. They're very much going to be together when all is said and done. But I do think a lot of obstacles are going to be sent their way this season. It's going to be rough for them. And I would not be surprised if they're not formally together by the end of the season, but that we'll constantly see this push and pull between them. Yeah. And by push and pull, you mean sex, hot sex on a bed. Gotcha. Yeah. That's how I refer to uh, sex is push and pull. <laughs> a little bit of that old push and pull. Oh, yes. You know how it is. A little sweep on the field. You got to do. Uh, Ellie has a two-part tweet. What do you think about the theory? I love this, by the way. What do you think about the theory that there's a Griffin King, the rival to the Gargoyle King, and uh, the possibility that Jug Arch will eventually fulfill the Gargoyle Griffin roles, respectively, or vice versa? Jug is obsessed with the game. Arch probably probably gets pulled in as well. Uh, the second part is this ties into how Jug's quest that he wrote saving Arch was directly opposed to the Gargoyle King's quest. The warden was playing to kill Arch, so Jugs, the Griffin King, or his her agent, were just him bowing to the Gargoyle King. I mean, there's a chance he is the Gargoyle King agent. That's a lot oh, of stuff, man. but I love all of this stuff, and I want to talk about it. Yes, Griffin King is sort of great observation, great idea. That's so smart. Um, I could see that be something that maybe the kids 
figure out and, and create um, and start to play the Gargoyle King's game against uh, him or her, which would be very cool. Or if it's already out there and there are these warring factions, um, then maybe that is Edgar Evernever at the farm. Maybe mm. that's Hiram Lodge and with his Injustice League. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think, it, I think there are two ways to go with it. I'm still in You mentioned this theory first, and I'm super into the idea that we're eventually going to find out that the farm is on the side of good, so to speak. Yeah. Um, we don't know enough about them to actually theorize about that, but I love the idea that we're so suspicious of them, but they're actually opposing griffins and gargoyles and trying to shut it down, particularly because the main thing that we know about them right now is they're very into into the idea of not ingesting weird substances. And the gargoyle king clearly is like, Hey, I left you the cyanide in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you drink it? What do you think? I think this whole season is a PSA. They're all going to turn to the camera at the end and be like, don't drink weird stuff. <laughs> and that's it, the end credits. Here's the deal. If you learn one thing from Riverdale, it's don't drink the bathroom juice. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. I, it's amazing that it has I, to be said. <laughs> I don't think though I don't think Archie is going to get pulled in and I don't think he is a Griffin King if anything he's just this dumb sweet idiot that just keeps pushing forward as hard as he possibly can and to think of him being any sort of like he was barely able to coordinate his shirtless boy gang before that totally fell apart so I, <laughs> I couldn't see him do anything else yeah, he's not a king. Red Paladin is about right where you want, aren't you? Uh, mm-hmm. Red Sword Mage, uh, Red Turkey Leg Holder. Um, these are the jobs for an Archie. Yeah. <laughs> the other uh, thing but, that I mentioned... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but the, all this question points to more of the Game of Thronesification of this season of Riverdale, where we have like truly a map of factions, um, the farm... Uh, the rest, all the locations on the map that, uh, that Jughead got from Dilton, all that stuff is, we're going to feel like, I feel like see those factions start to play off. each other. Mm. Uh, the, the other thing that I was going to say though, the idea that Jughead was opposing the warden in the game, the impression that I got was that they were playing the same game that agreed. Yeah. So I, I don't think they were on opposing sides. I think, because they're all viewing this as a game, they're all in the game together because that's kind of how Dungeons and Dragons works. It's not necessarily that one person wins and one person loses. It's that everybody's playing and everybody's trying to achieve this goal together. And Jughead and the Warden were all part of that. I mean, I'm less familiar with Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, it wasn't Jughead sort of DMing and the Warden was a player that he was describing what was Mm -hmm. happening to so that, yeah, that to me exactly. is, is, is exactly what happened. Yeah. Uh, this is from Miranda. Miranda says, I think the writers took inspiration from Slenderman and Jim Jones, a.k.a. the Jonestown Mass Suicide, the origin of Drink the Kool-Aid. If that's the case, Edgar is the Gargoyle King since he is the cult leader. I'm not sure how or why the Warden seems to be playing the game. Um, I, I still don't think Edgar is the Gargoyle King. I think she's absolutely right about there's a lot of cult references in this season. The main thing is Satanic Panic, which, for those of you listening, if you're not totally familiar with it, there was this thing that happened in the 1980s. Uh, we actually talked about this sort of thing a lot on our Legion podcast, where, oh gosh, I'm forgetting. 
uh, moral panic is the idea. Yeah. And the, what happens in that, and please add in just it if I get any of this wrong, but the idea is that people start to get upset about something in a moral way and it essentially spirals out of control and becomes almost a mental virus that spreads from person to person, infecting them with this idea that doesn't necessarily make sense but everybody very fervently believes. And in the case of satanic yeah. panic, it was that there were satanic cults that were trying to molest children, eat children, sacrifice children, kill children. Um, there were trials that happened. There were kids that essentially were not even coerced by psychologists so much as the psychologists would say, well, this person molested you, right? And of course, the four or five year old would be like, well, yeah, because yeah. they were told by an adult to say that. And that sort of thing would spread. So that spread out of control. A lot of people went to jail. It was very bad for a really long time. Um, and it's, it seeped into Dungeons and Dragons. That was seen as a way of spreading these satanic messages. So I think that's the main thing they're going for. But like Miranda says, yeah, the Kool-Aid is part of it. Other cult stuff is part of it. Um, but still, the one leap that I won't go with is that Edgar is the gargoyle king. Yeah, I agree. We don't we know so so little about uh, the farm right now. Like, I think there's so much more to see. But yeah, like the these satanic panic, the the moral panic stuff is so it happens. Like everyone thinks, like those people were so stupid. It's happening right now. It happened uh, hundreds of years ago. The Salem witch trials, uh, like Pizzagate. Uh, that's sort of this sort of moral mm -hmm. infection, and it, people believe. The craziest shit, like that is, it's ever present. I, I love that the show is packed right now. Yeah, there's, I, I've started to read some things that are pushing back against it. The idea that at least on the show right now, it seems like where in the real world it was kind of bad because people just wanted to play Dungeons and Dragons and they were being accused of spreading satanic messages. Uh, while on the show, it's like, well, they're spreading satanic messages for real and people are dying. Like all the stuff that was conspiracy theories in our world is real in the Riverdale world. And they look at it as that's bad because you're cementing these theories that led to such awful things that happened for real. But I, I agree with you. I think it's okay right now. Like it could end up in a bad way, but. Right now, it's so heightened and it's so big and that they are working in these real world things is, I think, kind of neat. And it hasn't tipped into irresponsible as of yet. Yeah, and I think they're going to they're going to pull out of it in a way because I think the, under, the underlying theory is that in times of stress, people like personal stress, economic stress, people will turn to find an, an enemy in something that they can use their uh, moral take to uh, to scapegoat. And I think that's what's happening on the show. Riverdale's been through like these crazy events for the past two seasons and come to find out there's been this underlying darkness all the time, pushing people into believing in this game, which this dark force is then exploiting. And I think, uh, the, the kids, the Riverdale kids are going to have to be the ones to sort of chill everyone out and reestablish uh, normalcy. Yeah. They'll be like, yo, you guys know video games exist, right? They're way yeah, cooler. Yeah. Yeah, you guys ever rode, ridden on a skateboard? <laughs> Check this out. out. I, I, I could do a, a sweet 360 on my skateboard, yo. Yeah, see, you got it. You know all yeah. about skateboarding. 
I'm like the original Tony Hawk. Uh, a couple more from Miranda. Uh, the farm has to be connected to the Gargoyle King, right? Evelyn seems to be the recruiter of vulnerable teens, like how she suddenly cared about Ethel. Ethel may end up even joining the farm. Edgar would be the actual Gargoyle King if that's the case. Um, uh, again, I don't know if I'm wrong here, but I think uh, cults aren't good. Like, cult, uh, cults are not <laughs> cool. Great, cool statement. Cool statement. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. Uh, don't join a cult, you guys. But at the same time, I think like the farm strikes me as one of these new agey cults more than a actually, hey dudes, let's have a let's have a fuck fest and murder some people type cults. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. They just want to like sell some lotion to some strangers. Exactly. They just want to put the lotion in the basket. It's no big deal. Yeah, Nothing better totally has ever happened with that. No. Uh, Miranda also says, do you think Chick is alive? I think I thought a cast member slipped and revealed he is returning, but I may be wrong. I believe, without getting into spoilers, yes, he is, in fact, coming back. Uh, Hal never admitted to killing him, right? Chick could be connected, but the only reason I could see him returning would be to go after Betty, unless Charles is alive and Chick lied. Um, let, let's talk about the Charles thing, because people talk mm. about that a lot. Uh, there, There's a very funny meme I saw the other day. Uh, you know, the, is this a butterfly meme? Yes. Uh, yeah. So somebody did for the butterfly, it was any blonde kid on Riverdale. And then the dude was Riverdale fans. And then the text at the bottom was, is this Charles? That's and, great. Yeah. And I was like, yes, that's every single time a blonde character shows up on the show. Everybody's like, Charles, do you think Charles is alive or dead? I mean, it, it, because of the nature of the show is if we haven't seen the body, they're still alive. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way, they, the way they walked through the, his death, the chick walked through his death in the episode was weird. Like it felt like a story. Well, there was that. And then there was also there was a deleted scene on the Riverdale season two DVD that we talked through on the podcast we did about that, where Alice and Betty Alice is like, hey, I found out where Charles is buried. Oh, you know what they did was they cremated him and buried his ashes. Here's where he's buried. And which is weird. But then they followed it up with a very emotionally, very well done scene, which to me felt like if that had been on the show, even though it was strange, it would have felt concrete. But to your point, they cut that out. They never showed the body. They never really explained it. So... Uh, I would say Charles is dead until he isn't is, yeah. is my theory on that. Yeah. This is total comic book logic, but obviously chick would never willingly deceive us. So if anything, he's reserving <laughs> Charles, um, because he's the hero, um, as his uh, yeah, Trump yeah. card in his, uh, war to make the show better. One. <laughs> absolutely. I think Charles was probably evil because he was the spawn of, Alice and FP, two of the most evil characters on the show. Uh, And Chick uh, has him held back, probably at the farm, which is another source of good on the show. And they're all working together to just reform Charles and make him better and make him the the Griffin Knight, if you will. Yeah, I will. (laughs) Great. There's no theory too crazy for me. (laughs) Uh, Last thing Brenda says is, do you think it possible that Hal is connected to the Gargoyle King? Hal is appearing on the show sometime this season, so there has to be a reason for it. 
Um, I don't think he's connected to the Gargoyle King, but he might have some knowledge about it. What do you think? I bet. I agree with you. I think he uh, he messed around in the dark side of Riverdale. I, if we're saying the, that the Gargoyle King has been around for generations, Cal certainly knows about it. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, also from Sophia. The Gargoyle King might be Claudius. We haven't seen him that much this season, and he wouldn't have been introduced in the show if he didn't have a major part of the storyline. He hasn't had a storyline yet, uh, yet he was never mentioned in the flashback episode. Uh, I think there's two interesting parts of that to talk about. Uh, first of all, do you think what do you think's been going on with Claudius? Because he was part of that Injustice League at the end of the last season, but he hasn't been present at all in season three. Yeah, I, I'm curious. I feel like we haven't really touched on the Injustice League at all yet. Um, and I think that octopus pin is going to play in. I think he's one of the tentacles of that. Um, maybe Claudius is deep doing some deep undercover work or something for Hiram. Um, it's very, it's noticeable that he's not there. So I think we're going to get some sort of reveal. Maybe he's like down in this mine where Hiram's keeping the actual dudes that, uh, killed the guy that Archie needs to find to clear his name for the town. Um, he has a role to play. Yeah, I agree with you. My suspicion is he's just not on screen. Honestly, like I think there will be an explanation when he shows up, but I don't think there's going to be this overarching villain reveal necessarily. Claudius, I think whatever is going on with him, frankly, might be a little disappointing. If you're super into the idea that he's this mastermind, I think it is going to be something like I was in the mind the whole time or, well, I'm back with the jingle jangle, you guys, or something like that. Yeah. I think so it's he could just... E- he could easily the, be the, the gargoyle knight. He's that's tall. true. He is tall. Uh, I, I just think Penny has shown up for one or two scenes. Uh, Malachi, who is also in that, uh, in that, uh, Injustice League roundup has only showed up very briefly. Uh, they might be off doing something. There might be some Uber plan for them, but I think. Right now, there's so many other things going on that they're just off screen. That's my suspicion yeah. about it. That's cool. What do you think about the idea that Clifford Blossom is still alive? Uh, I love that idea. I, getting back to your bodies or it didn't happen thing, we were kind yeah. of just told that he hung himself and is dead, and we never really saw the body. Um, I love the idea that either Claudius and Clifford switched each other or Clifford is not dead and going to come back. That that whole twin reveal thing was so soap opera bananas. Uh, I just want more of it. You know, just delve yeah. into it and go crazy. For sure. And like the wigs, we never really got to the bottom of why there are so many wigs <laughs> in the Blossom <laughs> home. That's too yeah. many wigs. Like, yeah. what, what are all those wigs for? Um, and then also the reveal we had in the flashback episode that, uh, Penelope was brought in as an, an orphan to be a sort of sister wife. Um, it, there's something, I feel like we're going to learn a lot more about the Blossom family. And mm-hmm. it may be that they're all just rotating people who wear the red <laughs> wig that is the, the main Blossom family. Do you think Claudius and Clifford are pulling a prestige? Is that what's going on with them? Yeah, triple prestige. Oh, shit. The, the third part... <laughs> <laughs> jingle jangle the what? hanging the third part Michael Wait, Caine's uh, 
That's how Michael Caine talks in the. Oh, oh, oh! I see what you're doing. I, I get it. I, I missed. I missed the it. Haircut, for a second, but I, the prestige is the is the prestige the, the trick. <laughs> the first wow, is the the show. Second is the turn, and the third part is the prestige. <laughs> wow, it's like I'm watching the movie right now. It's amazing. I could do it all word for word. <laughs> That's great. Uh, Julia Hale says, I think Hermione is behind the GG. Uh, she has been the first of parents to initiate conversation about it. And Warden also killed himself right before meeting her to escape the game. To me, it seems to be lining up. I 100% agree with that. I think. Love it. Yeah. All of those clues are exactly accurate. I would not trust that they'll be accurate after the next episode. But as of right now, yeah, Hermione is the one who is like, Hey, what if we played this weird game that's in the desk and got everybody to do it? And uh, like we talked about on the last podcast, the warden, the way the scene is set up, I think you're supposed to think, oh, man, the lawyer is coming in to chide the warden about the terrible practices in his juvenile detention center. But you could also look at it as the Gargoyle King visiting her acolyte and he kills himself because he knows she is going to come in, and that's what she wants to see. Hell yeah. Sweet. Darlene Deddy says, I think Hiram convinced Hermione that she killed the principal during the Ascension Party. They were also whacked out on drugs that she believed him. She's been holding that over her head for all these years. Ooh, that's an interesting theory. What do you that's think? That's interesting. That's cool. I do think the principal featherhead thing uh, is so weird. Like, it was an odd death... Um, it feels weird that he would come in and just drink the juice. I feel like he is much like the warden is going to be an acolyte of the gargoyle king. Um, and we're going to learn that story will, will come out probably closer to the end of the season. Yeah. Again, walking into a bathroom and seeing blue water in there, which usually doesn't have the best connotation in terms of toilets and stuff. Um, just going ahead and drinking it. There's definitely more, something more going on with Anthony Michael Hall. For sure. And I have a theory that my barber is the gargoyle. Uh, Ooh, because really? Because he, of the... He's got a canister of blue stuff right, uh-huh. sitting out right there. And uh, something's up with that, dude. Here's what I think you do. Next time you get a haircut, drink that juice, see what happens, and report back to us. Okay, cool. Hopefully I'll ascend. And I can just speak to you after I do that about who it is. <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works, but great. Okay, uh, Ryan Hensler says, what musical do you think they will do this year? Oh, it's nice getting off of the Gargoyle King a little bit. Uh, what great. musical do you think we'll do this year? Uh, do you think Shoni or any of the other couples will sing a duet together in the musical episode? Do you think Shoni will say I love you to each other by the end of the season? And who Ooh. do you think will say it first? Ooh, I love this question. Oh, I love everything Very about good. it. Um, Jeez, yeah. I think... I think yes. We haven't seen a lot of their relationship, but everybody knows everyone is on board. They're America's mm-hmm. sweetheart. Um, so yes, uh, I think they that relationship is strong, is real. We'll see some love from that. I feel like Tony will say it first. Mm, really? I'd say Cheryl. What makes you say Tony? Tony's uh, is sort of uh, the real is a little more of the realist i feel like she's sort of tells it like it is and has like from as soon as she was introduced on the show so i think um she's gonna be the one to be like come on let's just say this i could see her doing a thing where she's like 
you want to say it to me, you say it first so I can say it back. Yeah. But, but I, Cheryl is so passionate. She's so fiery about everything. I could also see a sort of scenario if they ever get back to a place where anybody could have time for any sort of relationship drama whatsoever. I could see Cheryl getting into a place where she accidentally says, I love you passionately. And then Tony has to react to that because oh, something we also know about Tony is like, she's cool. You know, like yeah, she's when cool. she was with, when she was with Jughead, she was like, it was nice hooking up with you, but this isn't going to work. She was the one that was yeah. very blunt about it. And I could see her being the same way with Cheryl about that moment. I also hope that we get those moments. I hope that particularly with yeah. the relationship, because I, I understand as writers, you don't want to be hitting those same tropes over and over again, but we did get them with Varchi. We did get them with Bughead. I think it's important to get them with Shoni, even with Phallus to get those moments Again, I, I think it's important to see those for those couples and also for the fans. Maybe she'll uh, Robin Hood in a flaming arrow with a message on it uh, that just says, <laughs> I love you. Ooh, that would be nice. It would be she also speaks be only. They she speaks only in, in bow and arrow. <laughs> they should do a tie-in. They did uh, Love, Simon last year. They should all go to see Robin Hood. And then she's like, I'm going to shoot some arrows. Yeah, both both movies, uh, cutting edge cultural touchstone movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, love Simon the and the musical? upcoming run. <laughs> uh, what about the musical though? What musical do you think they'll do this year? Let me throw out Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that would be fun. It's sexy, which the show loves to go down that road, um, and they could actually make it. It's funny, but they could like amp up the horror side with some horrifying reveal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing that makes it really tricky to say about this, uh, what the musical is, I've been thinking about it a little bit is uh, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa wrote the book for Carrie, the musical. He loves yeah. Carrie, the musical that episode works so well because it wasn't just Carrie, the musical. It was also all of the characters fit exactly the right way. Yeah. So to do that again, it can't just be like, let's do Into the Woods. That's a dark musical at the end. It needs to be something that works really well. Um, I could be wrong about this, but there were a couple of folks that were doing a set visit to a bunch of the WB shows recently. They do this every year where for about a week or two, journalists travel to every single show in Vancouver uh, for about an hour or two each, stop by and do some set visit stuff. And I I think there was a poster in uh, when they visited Riverdale for Sweeney Todd, which oh, that's great would be awesome. I think if they could get the rights for that, that would be perfect. And that's the sort of thing where like probably people would actually be, be, get killed on Riverdale and made into pies if it happened. Oh um, man, what a great reveal though, that they're in the middle of the musical and the prop pies are a human made of the actual human of an actual character. The ghoulies would love that. They'd yeah. be super into it. Who's hungry? Totally. <laughs> uh, cool. Fernanda says, I think the real Charles will appear. Um, what would you give the chances on him appearing this season? Uh, 30% chance. Okay. I, I'm going to go with that. I'll agree with that. I'll put it at like 35. Okay. Edging it up. <laughs> Pushing the borders. Got you. I'll yep. go 36. Oh, I'm going to say uh, 37, and that's my final answer. 
Okay, well, well I guess we'll see who prices right at this correctly. <laughs> Alexander Snap says Hiram is the Gargoyle King because he has capital C connections. Oh, cool. Um, uh, I think his connections are different connections. Yes, so this does, this does remind me of uh, the theory going around on the Slack of uh, Pop Tate as that gargoyle. <laughs> so here's this came from, I believe, an article on Nerdist that somebody put up. Uh, and I liked three quarters of the article until they made an insane logical leap at the end to Pop Tate is definitely the gargoyle king. Um, the thing that was really neat about the theory was they were suggesting that the reason people are having seizures is because of Pop Tate's milkshakes, uh, yeah. because everybody's constantly drinking the milkshakes. And I, I don't think we've necessarily seen like Betty specifically drank a milkshake and then she had a seizure, but everybody is drinking milkshakes all the time. So I feel like that would make a lot of sense. Pop Tate is a person who has existed in the town for a really long time. So I could see him being under the thrall of the Gargoyle King, but I don't think it's him. What do you think yeah, about that? I agree. It may just be a horrible case of lactose intolerance. Yeah. 100%. The big reveal is the townspeople are like, wait, there's milk in these milkshakes? And everyone <laughs> loses their minds because it's They are horrible... all related. So yeah. it makes sense that they all had genetic lactose intolerance. Yeah. And I think that's at the end of the season when they turn to the camera and say, and that's why you shouldn't drink milkshakes. They're going to have to tell people to not drink a lot of stuff right at the end of the season. Yeah. Toilet water, don't, don't drink that. Don't drink yeah. milkshakes, all that stuff. Uh, Jen Ben says, fearing for his life, Archie will go on the lamb and Jughead will follow. They will somehow end up with Gladys, who will bring them back to Riverdale. The big mystery is how this ties back to G&G. Um, I, I feel like there are pieces there, but they're not necessarily put together correctly. What, what do you yeah. think? I do think the introduction of Gladys is going to be interesting. Um, I don't know what role she has and how she's, what flavor is she providing to the show and specifically to Jughead's life? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I see it as, it's so hard to say because we're heading into such, we've been in such this crazy period with Jughead and even FP and everything going on in the town that any predictions I would have for like, normally I would say the way you structure the season, right? Is that Jughead finally feels like he's settled. FP feels like he's settled. And then Gladys and Jellybean show up and really shake everything up. But right now Jughead is fucking insane and wandering yeah. through the woods, praying to stick monsters. And FP is like at his wits end because everybody is dying and drinking blue juice in order to commit suicide. So anything that Gladys and Jellybean would come in and do, they'd be like, we're here to really shake things up. And they'd be like, we have no time for this whatsoever. Yeah. Um, maybe there'll be a stabilizing presence. Maybe. I mean, probably not. But the other thing that's going to happen most likely before the mid-season finale, which I cannot believe they are layering us on as well, is it seems like there's going to be some sort of viral outbreak in Riverdale that's going to happen in the mid-season finale. So on top of everything else, it's going to turn into like the walking dead by the time this comes back. So okay. I, sure. I mean, it would be hilarious if Gladys and Jellybean show up and they're like, 
hey, we're back in Riverdale and everybody's like, we have to kill zombies now. I'm really sorry about that. Yeah. We don't have time for you. Oh, that's wild. Maybe that's how they get to the farm is they're fleeing uh, the zombified residents of Riverdale. Sure. Anything could happen. Uh, this one, I, I'm a little sad that Pete is not here. This is from uh, Barchioni Barch, Barchoni Fallis, I think is the name, uh. username. Uh, Barchi and his inevitable face it, Pete. Justin yelling how they're going to happen every episode is a whole mood. I'm so glad you actually talk about them because most of the time Riverdale fans only care about Bughead and it's great that you guys acknowledge Barchi. Hashtag chick the hero. I know this is not a question. Just need to say that after binging your podcast. Yes. Barchi Odifalis, number one wow. fan. Justin, do you want to respond to this? You want to rip Pete a new one while he's not here? Uh, I, I the new one has already been ripped. Uh, it was free ripped, <laughs> uh, thanks to uh, Barcioni Fallis. And I got to say, spot on. Um, this tweet is literally just trolling Pete, um, who, as we know, <laughs> is the scaredy Pete of the podcast. Um, so he, this kind of thing could really push him over the edge. Uh, what I like best about this tweet is, uh, that it gave us a new hashtag, hashtag chick the hero, which I think yeah. we really need to start using it every episode. Yeah, no, it's time to, <laughs> they put it out there with no evidence whatsoever. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys start treating it, get it trending. I know everybody wants to get hashtag Shoney deserves better trending during episodes, but let's switch that over. Let's put it on uh chick the hero. I think we can all really get behind that. hundred percent. Great. A uh, couple more tweets. Uh, you guys sent in a lot of stuff, which is awesome. Uh, this is from Betty and Archie. Do you think Barchie looks like a good couple because of their adorable reunion? And uh, I'll also follow this up with Lee says, and Lee, by the way, I love this uh, Twitter username is Barchie with one, two, three, with six E's at the end. Uh, what did yeah. you guys think of the Barchie reunion we got at the end of episode six? Do you think it was just put there as a friendship scene or perhaps something more? Oh, that's well observed. I've already spoken to this. That was love. Look at that. That was a reunification moment. Archie at his lowest. Betty right there working on cars to get there, which is her whole thing <laughs> for some reason. And they are there. That's love. He just came out of a stink pipe. What could be a better <laughs> time to fall back in love? See, I disagree with you there because you know Wait, this is my, where you're wrong. This is where you're wrong. Oh, oh, okay. Actually, I guess I didn't think about it, the fact that I was wrong. Yeah. So that's okay. something to really consider. All right, but I will throw out there that what I read in that scene is she hasn't gone to visit him in jail at all. They are best friends. They've been best friends for their kids. I didn't read something romantic there. Like I think. KJ Appa and Lily Reinhardt are wonderful together. Do I think Barchi will happen at some point? Yeah, probably. Um, but just that particular scene to me just read as this sweet, wonderful relief that he was seeing Betty again, this person that he loves, this person that he cares for. Um, and it was a very sweet scene between them, but I saw it as a friendship scene. You can take that Barchi hate and shove it up your stink pipe because you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I think uh, I think we all know what happened in that scene. All right, and well, let's keep in on. mind that that a blonde woman was visiting Archie in juvie, 
And yes, it was Veronica wearing a blonde wig, but Archie doesn't know the difference. He can't keep track of all of those details. Well, there was, we talked about this on the podcast. There was that scene when Monica Posh first showed up and she said, hi, I'm Monica Posh from the Innocent Project. Cut to Archie. He looks confused. They cut back to Veronica. She winks. And then they cut back to Archie and he's like, ah, all right. I get this. I get this. I see what's going on. All right. My friend Betty is winking at me. Now we have sex. (laughs) That's Archie thinking. I think like Archie. It's on. We have sex now. Exactly. Lay with woman. uh, Yes. Punch man. Punch man. Lay with woman. What gargoyle king? (laughs) Archie missed few episodes. Here's what I think is going to happen the next episode. uh, Because Archie immediately fell asleep as soon as they started to explain the gargoyle king to him. In the last episode, I think what's going to happen is be like, all right, here's what's going on. There's this thing called the Gargoyle King. Griffin's a gargoyle, and he's like, I know what I need to do, and immediately runs away as far as he possibly can because he has no idea what's going on. Yeah, no, this is not going to be, he's not going to be ready for this. Right. And Veronica is going to call him on the phone and be like, listen, we really need your heart with this Griffin's gargoyle thing. And he's like, what if instead we broke up? What do you think? Yep. End of season. Yeah. Season last episode. The rest of it is just milkshakes, and that's it. Series finale. <laughs> uh, Aaron, this is a two-parter. Says I think some of the parents and other adults never stop playing G and G, and have been playing off-board since the Midnight Club days. Do you think Featherhead had a habit of drinking strange beverages found? In- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Do you think uh, Featherhead had a habit of drinking strange beverages found in public bathrooms, or could he even play a game of his own? Uh, also, I love the similarities with, between Freddy Krueger and the Gargoyle King in the mm. Midnight Club episode. Could the Gargoyle King be someone that wants the kids of Riverdale to pay for the sins of their parents? Maybe they had more to do with Featherhead's death than Alice let on. I know what you did 20 years ago. Uh, starting at the back, totally agree with you with the past stuff. There was definitely, there was the Freddy Krueger stuff going on. We know that uh, the Riverdale folks love Freddy Krueger. They dressed up. Uh, uh, Ross Lynch, Harvey Kinkle as Johnny Depp over on Sabrina. They, they were singing Dream Warriors from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. So I absolutely think like there's a sense of the sins of the parents revisiting the kids thing. Uh, yeah. But other than that, I don't know if there's any more Freddy Krueger-ness going on, necessarily. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I do think all the characters can walk within each other's dreams. Yeah, uh, 100%. But other than that, I'm saying well, I'm also saying don't put it past this show to get wild. Like, sure. We could, uh, there could be a whole episode that takes place just in their dreams, and I would be 100% down. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, let's talk about the first part. Do you think some of the parents and other adults never stopped playing G&G and been playing off-board since the Midnight Club days? 100%. I think that's the big the, – with the, the warden playing the game, I think, was the, a big reveal there that the adults have been playing the game, and it – the their gameplay is wound up with their entire life. Their life. Yeah, I don't think the warden was like, oh, Ben and Dilton are playing over the summer with Ethel. Gotta join <laughs> yeah. in that. Yeah. These kids seem like they're having a pretty good time. I'm a character <laughs> from the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> uh, oh, and this is Benjamin Button from that Benjamin Button movie. Let's go hang out with him. That would be nice. Uh, we're all Weird. movie characters. This show's like IMDb, sort of. <laughs> uh, and do you think Featherhead had a habit of drinking strange beverages found in public bathrooms? Uh, yeah, absolutely. 
like all principals, uh, you have to drink the stuff that the kids leave in the bathroom. Right. Just as it's you a dirty leave, secret. Just as you leave milk and cookies out for Santa Claus, you have to leave drinks in the bathroom for principals. That's how it works. That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, they'll get thirsty overnight. Yeah. Mary Principal Miss. Drink <laughs> this urine sample. Uh, John George says, I have a theory that milkshakes are assigned by hair color. Josie and Kevin are putting the lie to my theory, so that's my only, also my complaint. Uh, mm. I'm sorry, John George. I think that's crazy. That's a deep, <laughs> deep conspiracy theory. <laughs> yeah, uh, particularly because nobody is actually drinking uh, milkshakes assigned to their hair color, but I love the idea. I mean, if you're going to get yeah. a milkshake, coordinate it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like everything. Uh, it should all be just uh, your hair color is the most important quality you have. Just ask Archie. <laughs> it's true. Uh, he is actually a brunette. Mara Whiteacre says, my theory is that since twins are common in the Blossom family, Hal had a secret twin that has been the Gargoyle King all along. He would have been around when they were in high school, and now he's back after his brother's conviction as the Black Hood. Ooh, that's a crazy theory. What do you think? That is. Lots of reveals there. I mean, it could be. Maybe it's all... Maybe that's where Claudius... That that all ties up there if there there's like a twin twin factor on all sides. There could be. I think more likely the twin thing is pointing to something in the Blossom family. And frankly, since that reveal with Penelope back in the flashback episode, I've been a little suspicious about whether Jason and Cheryl are actually twins or potentially one of them was adopted. I, I mm. think there's a little something more going on there that we're going to find out about. Yeah, I agree. It would make sense generationally if they are always bringing in one new kid that doesn't match the, the, the opposite gen- of the opposite gender. Yeah. And this is actually Ryan Henslow. This is our last Twitter comment says, I have a theory that Cheryl and Jason aren't really twins. And one of them was adopted would explain their age difference, uh, which a lot of people have pointed <laughs> out. <laughs> that That's really they, funny. They're in different, they, or they should be in different years of school, even though uh, they're twins, which you could explain by one of them got ahead and one of them got left behind or something like that. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would definitely explain that. It's a definitely a little on the nose. <laughs> they would just be in different years. Yeah. They're twins, uh, they're, but one's two years younger. Right. Uh, this is, I haven't honestly gone back and checked this, but I believe there's been stuff where Cheryl has talked about remembering being a tiny baby and born around the same time as Jason. And I think Nana Rose said something about being there for their birth as well, but that doesn't mean that any of that is true necessarily. Yeah. Uh, Nana Rose is an unreliable witness. <laughs> yes. Uh, cool. All right. Those are, those were some great comments you guys that you sent us. If uh, you ever want to hit us up with any theories or anything like that at Riverdale dark, please hit us up there. Follow us there. We love chatting with you guys about this stuff. Are there any other theories you want to hit on before we wrap up? Justin, uh, less a theory because I don't think we know enough about it, but, uh, the mystery of the letters, um, translating the symbols, um, Mm -hmm. that the gargoyle King leaves behind, we get the letters, uh, what are they? A G uh, H or A G K? Uh, well, so let's talk about this because I did way too deep of a dive into this. 
Uh, there's the, the podcast Dial M for Maple, I believe, was the first one to notice this. They figured out that the letters that were being used on Riverdale were approximately those used by somebody who had created a Lovecraftian alphabet that they put online. Now, I was curious, mainly because I wanted to make shirts for us uh, that use the letters. And uh, surprise, they're available online right now at comicbookclub.threadless.com. But I did some digging backwards to try to find if I could get this font, if I could download it online. Uh, And it turns out this person who created this font that Dial M for Maple had found had augmented it from a previous font, which I cannot find a link to anywhere. uh, And I haven't found any documentation of. All I found is on their... uh, Oh, gosh. Uh, whatever their image site that they put it up on, uh, I'm blanking on the name. Um, they they said in one of the comments, oops, this is a little too close to those other ones, so we're going to tweak it and change it. So uh, the font that I bought that I ended up using, um, they've already tweaked it and changed it a little bit. So this is all getting around to say that uh, Dial M for Na- Maple, using that font guideline determined that what the Gargoyle King uh, was writing on all of the signs was TGH, but that's actually wrong. It's right. incorrect. Uh, because going back and looking at a post that uh, on Screen Rant that they did, again, I spent way too much time on this one day, uh, they figured out uh, using a little bit of uh, codex and some guessing that when Jughead pulls out the map, uh, that Dilton gave him, there's a message written on the side of it in the Gargoyle King script. And if you look at it and you use repeated letters and figure it out, uh, it says, beware the Gargoyle King. Mm. So using that codex, you can figure out that what the, what's been written everywhere is just TGK. So it's just right. the Gargoyle King. Uh, mm. and I believe the letter that's written on the bottom of the chalices is the G, the middle letter. So that would be for gargoyle. Um, so that's what's going on there. The other thing that we're going to find out in the next episode, this was teased in the promo, is that Archie was branded with another letter, which is S for sacrifice. So it's all an alphabet. That's essentially yeah. what's going on. Uh, it's an augmented alphabet. It's based very loosely on the Lovecraftian alphabet. Um, but that's what's going on here. That was a very long explanation. I don't know if that answered what you were getting. No, that's towards. very cool. I love the sacrifice. It seems like it's a marking or a, a sigil in the same way, like you might brand a cattle uh, as like that's what that plays into my theory of the multiple factions battling. The gargoyle king mm-hmm. feels the need to tag his victims, his or her victims. Um, in the way that it's like, this is mine. And why would you do that unless there was another force you were uh, showing off your work to? Yeah. Uh, oh, just uh, I just did a quick check. It's actually the K is the letter that shows up on the chalices. It's for King, not G for Gargoyle. Mm. Uh, so there you go. Um, but yeah, I think uh, given that teaser in the episode, we're going to find out a lot more about that. And I'm sure we're going to find the Gargoyle King script in a lot of other places. Um, so that's something that we're going to be following down the rabbit hole a little bit for sure. All right, cool guys. Thank you so much again 
your t- tweets, your questions, following along. We'll be back with a regular episode next week, presumably with Pete, unless he drank some of that bathroom juice. If you'd like to support the podcast, it. he loves drinking it. Uh, spoiler, fun fact about Pete, he's actually a principal, so he's got to drink that <laughs> stuff. Got to do it. Uh, support us, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, as mentioned, we have a bunch of Sabrina and Riverdale shirts up at comicbookclub.threadless.com. You can pick up uh, sweatshirts and other things like that. Uh, also, we do a regular live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. That's totally free. Come on by and we will chat with you about Riverdale. What else do you want to plug, Justin? Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Check us out on Facebook as well. Check out our dedicated Riverdale Twitter at Riverdale Dark. Also, ComicBookClubLive.com for the podcast more. And we'll see you in the dark. Barchi rises. <laughs> <laughs>